The best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. When you watch a guy, Jar, standing on the sideline counting players with his fingers, you know this is bullshit. Probably the greatest ever victory for Ireland. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Hello there and welcome along to episode 32 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. The club season is heating up, there's a load of managerial changes happening about the place. Big news though, Paddy, we released our bloody teams of the year last week and our Twitter accounts have blown up left, right and centre. Let me ask many mentions you. Can I ask you this? Have you finally found it in your heart a way to forgive the All-Star Selection Committee of 2015? after going through this week. I can see how they get put. <laughs> you know what the big thing is, right? Whatever about the All-Stars, at least we're putting our names to this team selection. Like We've put out our rationale behind it. The big thing with it, they're objective, uh, they're objective like, so like, not everyone's going to agree with you. And we've seen that on Twitter <laughs> this week. But we either picked our teams, both the Talton Cup and the All-Star team, not a peep out anyone on the All-Star team, by all accounts, but Jesus Christ, that Talton Cup team is after causing <laughs> chaos. Like, I've never got as many mentions on Twitter in my life as I did for putting out that Talton Cup team. Like, Jimmy? Yeah, the, Kev- the Kevin crowd weren't happy. But sure, we can't, we can't have everyone in. We can only pick a team, and there's only one in every position. You, um, you got a lot of credit from Sligo, James, for your ability to pick... Uh, they were, they were thick as well, there. like... Sligo wanted a few more lads in as well, by all accounts. They wanted 10 at least, and, and Kevin <laughs> wanted 15 out of 15. Can I, I just say on Kevin, right? Because I was getting, they, they seemed to be the, the most aggrieved. Kevin had four players in this team. They duffed the final. They scraped through the semi-final against Sligo. Like, they're doing well to have four lads in, to be brutally honest. Like. So, yeah, okay, there's a few tight calls, but... Like, how many did he want in? They didn't win yeah. the team. But a lot of the tweets we got were that they've been their, their best players all year. But we, we, had to, we had to get rid of the National League. Not interested. The include National that. League yeah. and so, Ulster Championship were not included. It was the Talton Cup. There's always players going to be thick. But for Cavan, I'm going in. I'm standing up on this. You didn't win the thing. You were brutal in the final. <laughs> and scrape. Like Sligo should have beaten him. Patrick O'Connor could honestly have scored six goals in that semi-final. We know that. And then they're the guys are most aggrieved. They want 10 players in. It was like Jimmy trying to pick the All-Star team, put the whole Kerry team in. Like. No, I was fair. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to swing all your mates. James McCarthy. <laughs> I wanted six dubs in as well. It's funny though, isn't it? Like the All-Star selection seems to have went under the radar and the Talta Cup is causing absolute ruptions. It mm. matters. These things matter. Oh, but but we, you know what, Tommy, in seriousness now behind it, it is, it is good that these conversations are happening. That's what the, the Talta Cup was brought in. It's been a brilliant success. We said that. But for these counties and these players who are probably not in the mix for all-star debates and things like that, just with the old season, that these conversations are now happening. And there, there'll be a, an official Talton Cup selection. I'd be interested to see how that goes as well. God help them. We've done the dirty work for them already, yeah. But, but it is, look, the conversations are good and these players are getting recognised. And yes, there's tight calls and I know there's people who, and supporters who want their own players in. I totally get that. But um, it is, it's hard though, isn't it? There's always going to be people 
pick with you for not putting in their, their lads. But uh, I am standing over our selection. And Kevin, you got four. You did well to get four. Well, mm. I, I tried to argue our way through a couple. You know, listen, it was a close call. You know, they were in the mix, blah, blah, blah. And next thing, Key Mackie comes along and just... Hey, Mackie! What, what, what can you say back to Mackie when Mackie tells you Jared Smith was repaired a year and Jason McLaughlin should be in it too? Well, so. Jared Smith okay. seemed to be the biggest one yeah. that was people were annoyed with. But like, like, like put McKiernan in the half-hour line. I would have had McKiernan slightly above Jared Smith. And he wasn't going in ahead of Ron McHugh, who was, I think, the best player in the Talton Cup. Yeah, and then Sam McCartan was one of Westmead's best forwards as well. That's so the way they, I looked at it. They were saying that put him in wing back, but maybe that's what wing he back. He did play. He did play a bit of football wing back. Now he was he was alternating between wing back and half forward. But I was actually trying to be fair. I was trying to get Killian Clark in as well. So you were, Kevin, forgive me, forgive me for this. Yeah, sure, look at <laughs> look at lads. Lads, we've exciting news this week. We have a special guest on the show. Oh. Paddy Tally is joining us. Kerry's. Yeah. Much heralded coach for the season that's just gone by that brought an All Ireland title. Paddy Talley's been involved in intercounty football since he was a pup. He played with Tyrone in around the 90s. He was on that 95 team that lost to Dublin. It was on the squad, sorry. He was an extended member of the panel. At 29 years of age, Mickey Hart brought him in as the his number two in Tyrone when he was appointed in 2002. Talley coached him to the first All Ireland title in 03, left Tyrone then, spent a couple of years in Mary's. Went on and uh, was called into down and away. Stayed in down for four years. Went up to Derry with Brian McIver. They come up against you, Paddy, in a 2014 league final. Yeah. I think, you were, I think you were playing a couple of weeks before that when you got beaten by Derry and then you wiped the floor with Derry in the league final yeah. uh, in 14. And then you had a couple of years outside of intercounty football. Coached Mary's to a Sigerson title against the very heavily fancied UCD team. UCD, kind of very, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. They bet UCC in the semi-final too. So... Ooh. You know, then he, he went in with Galway, Kevin Walsh in 2018, and then he was over the down team for three years, two of those years being COVID years. And then Jack O'Connor gave him the call in September. So I'm looking forward to this. Just from reading a few articles over the last um, over the last while, just about from when he landed first, of course, there was a bit of kind of um, just a reaction to the fact that he came from Tyrone and, <clears throat> and the Northern teams and, the, you know, the way Kerry want to keep it all in-house, but... My God, it was unbelievably successful. I mean, what an addition it was. Straight away, you could see the way that Kerry had set up both attacking and defensively. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that with him. But Brilliant. I mean, he just absolutely repaid everything and he's done a great job. So I can't wait to to see exactly what he has to say about the Kerry boys. Hopefully he's a bit, a bit of gold. <laughs> positive, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. We are on episode 32 of the Football Pod. Do hit subscribe if you haven't already. We'll have plenty more episodes over the winter. We'll be back right after this with Kerry coach Paddy Talley. All right, you're very welcome back to episode 32 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James Donoghue. And we're delighted to welcome our special guest to the show this week. Paddy Talley, you're very welcome. How are you? I'm good, lads. Thanks very much. It's nice to be here. Um, and lo- a lovely sunny morning up in Galway here. So it's a dog walk, coffee in, right a rock. Fantastic. What a way to start the morning. Yeah. James Donoghue, this man went down a treat in Kerry this year. <laughs> An absolute treat he did, in fairness. I mean, do you know what? As much as managers and everything are, are important and the, the nutrition, the sports science, your football coach is, I think, the most important role inside in a dressing room because you're basically taking the players hour and a half 
and you're structuring what they're going to learn that day, what they're, what they're going to take in. And your voice has to be so powerful and kind of so, so measured and delivering the right message. And a lot of teams, they only kind of bank on having a great manager or, or a great backup team, but you have to have the coach right to have any success in Intercounty, I think. Paddy, is, is that what it was this year for you? You were the, the football coach really in Kerry. Yeah, that was that was the role. Um, Jesus, to put four start lads, it, it was it was uh, it was an absolute honour. And I'm supposed to speaking to James here. Um, from my point of view, to be asked to to get involved with Kerry, if you sort of understand where we come from in Tyrone, we grew up with a diet of Kerry football uh, and Dublin football back in the sort of the eighties and uh, especially the eighties, like the late seventies, early eighties, when when we really didn't have anybody competing at a top level. So. Kerry football's got a great place in, in our memories, childhood memories. So I'd never dreamed that one day you'd be actually coaching the Kerry football team. So when uh, to get involved with the players and, and Jack and, and the entire Kerry setup was, was a real honour. And um, but with honour comes responsibility. So I was very clear that what the, the remit was, it, it, you had to be successful. So um, I knew from the outset that we, you know, whatever we do here is we win in the All Ireland, and Anthony sure that wouldn't have been a success. So that that basically was me going into to coach that team as best I could to try and get them over the line, and and uh, thankfully it worked out. Would you say you get as much kind of of a feel good factor about winning in Ireland with Kerry than you would with your own county? Or was there any difference, do you reckon, or how do you reckon that was? Oh, not a chance. We had, we had a far better time than we wanted in Tyrone the first thing. <laughs> this is what happens, Paddy. The Kerry lads must get excited here. Anyway. Would you rather win with Kerry than your own county? I, <laughs> no, I said, there. was there any, any similarities? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something here. On the, on the Tuesday, we were uh, in Tralee and I met me and Murph, Big Murph were coming across from, um, from Killarney on the Tuesday morning and we're having a bit of breakfast before we head into the into, the, into Lee and he says, Paddy, he says, you're going to see Kerry, Kerry in all this arrogance today. <laughs> <laughs> We're well used to that, Fanny. It's like, like the first round, yeah. We've seen this before. Uh, that was uh, waiting eight years to come out, like, so. <laughs> Jesus, you can excuse that. No, listen, in, in fairness, it was different. It was different, but really, really enjoyable, too. I think it's, it's quite, a, you know, when I went with back in throw 2003, I don't think it'll ever be matched for us, but that was our first ever. Um, the outpouring of emotion, because, like, coming from, Come from the county with never success at, at senior level. And uh, we knew it was coming. There's, there's good minor teams, good on the 21 teams. And then all of a sudden we, we pulled the senior one off. And that that probably was, was something that would never be, you know, you know, never be uh, matched, you know. But certainly in terms of the uh, the enjoyment and, and the satisfaction, James is right up there as well. Because, you know, I think this, there was a some, a lot of people say, did you enjoy it? And to be honest, it's, it's not that's an enjoyable process. You know, it really is a, you enjoy it when you win. Yes. And when you, when you have circus, but during the whole time, especially coming up to the last, the week before the, from really from the quarterfinal in, it's it's heavy full on. Um, so I think when you win it, it's just an outpouring of emotion and, and relief as much as anything else. Um, but it was, um, it, gee, it was the crack was 90 in the week after that. I mean, I know that. It, was, it was good. You know? It's unbelievable, Paddy, isn't it? You say that because obviously we've been fortunate to, to win all our ourselves as players, and I would echo that 100%. Yeah, it's it's hard to do it without a doubt, and particularly like you say when it gets to the business end, and you're playing the top teams, and there's there's massive pressure, and particularly like saying Kerry, there's an expectation to win. Mm-hmm. That if you don't win the All Ireland, we had it with Dublin and our team as well. If we didn't win the All Ireland, that was failure. So, so there's massive pressure, 
and my overriding emotion, and we spoke to a lot of lads on this after you finally do it, is relief. It's more, it's people are like, it's not necessarily elation or you're ecstatic. It's just like, we can relax now. And then mm-hmm. you're right. The week after the All-Ireland, the best week you'll ever have in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is massive pressure. And it's, it is that relief when you finally get it done. Like. It is. And I think, it's, I think when the weeks preceding the game, you know, from really, from, from I say, from the quarterfinal, then it was, it was your full on, everything you had to ensure you had in every box. And it was a real challenge because, the Mayo, the Mayo game in the quarterfinal was a game where, you know, um, we were beating them well in the league, uh, in the league final, and uh, we beat them in the league match in Chile that night. And there was always that, could you beat them three times in the one season? And so there was always that wee thing where you had to get the players right for that. When they got over that, then they had the Dublin game. And I think the Dublin game was a perfect game for Kerry to have because, yeah. you know, that that game where the old Dublin one from the, from the, from the All-Ireland a few years ago, um, it was probably time that Kerry stood up and, and beat Dublin in a big championship match. So that was a massive thing. And you've seen yourself <clears throat> at the end of the match. <clears throat> it was a massive outpouring of emotion. The big challenge was to get the feet back in the ground. Yeah. Because yeah. last year, I suppose Mayo beat Dublin and then come up short in the All-Ireland. And you, you really didn't want that to happen again. You didn't want a, a substandard performance in the final based on the fact you'd just beaten Dublin. So the, the challenge was on the on before the before the, the middle of that next week that you had uh, all that was out of the way and you're really focusing on on the final. So there was that constant psychological battle you had to fight um, to make sure that everything was right. And, and in fairness, the players were very, very strong and they were, they were very good and mature in the way they approached things. And um, when you got to the final, really, it, it, was, um, it, was, it was a matter of, of getting a performance that was good enough to beat Galway. And, and you always knew that there was going to be... A, the Clare finals are never won early. You're going to have to keep going towards the end. And I, I always referenced that your team party, the, the, the great Dublin team at the start, if you remember those games, like there's very few of those finals Dublin run away with. They were always coming down yeah. the stretch, and it might have been the, it might have been the boys coming off the bench that that made the difference. So, I say there wasn't the probably a very close symmetry to what how the final panned out this year too to to the Dublin victories in, the, in that in that great team, you know. So, uh, I think it was um it was a matter of just getting the job done, and then you have that immense sense of relief because I think that those fellas they just need to get over the line. You say Paddy, right? Sorry, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just wondering. Do you know with the with the shorter season, right? So you had the quarter final, <clears throat> semi final, yeah, final, yeah. fairly bang, bang, bang. Yeah. As a coach, like you don't have much time there, so I know it's intense. But like, how much time do you get with the players to actually work on something new, or is it a case of we'll just kind of refine what we have, seeing as you don't have the time? Like before, I mean, when you won it with Tyrone, you probably would have had at least three weeks before every game, maybe even four to work mm-hmm. on new things. But this year it was recover and then you probably have 10 days to a game yeah I think you're right James and, and that, that's the, that's the, the best part of it in, in fairness I you know those four week breaks or three week four week breaks between matches are killer we had like three, I think we had four weeks between the was it between the the, uh, the end of the league and the start of the championship and then we had five weeks between the most of the champ five weeks between the most of the championship yeah. and the Ireland quarter final so those weeks were very hard to get in and the National League's a brilliant thing because you're going week on week yeah. apart from one week we have two I think it's for the Sigerson weekend or something, but in between, you're going all the time. And I think the players much, much more you know, enjoy that. <clears throat> so whatever system, 
whatever systems you have in place from the National League, you can tweak things for the championship. But you, you, there's no point in introducing an awful lot of new stuff. I think it become confusing. So you're just trying to, as you say, James, you're refining the system. You're you're refining the, the way the players are playing and maybe adapting and tweaking things to suit the opposition you're playing. But let, you've got to have a, a bulk of the work done now early in the season because of the way the championship's going to happen. You need to just be bang on, have your have your, your work nearly all, nearly all done earlier on. And plenty f- for you, you're absolutely right. Players love that because the shorter the break between uh, games, the less hard training you have to do. So <laughs> we always enjoy the week on week of the National League. But um, it, it is funny. This is the first proper season post-COVID where it is far more condensed. Um, and I know for, from our experience with Dublin, we wouldn't have done a whole pile during the National League in those years because we always had the guts of six to eight weeks after the league and before the Leinster Championship starts. And we do a lot of work nearly our pre-season in May in that time because the, the, the structure of the season allowed us to do that. And coaches bloody loved that because they, that was their window. We, we had Declan Darcy and Brian Cullen and these guys, brilliant, brilliant guys who, who really kind of earned their core during that period. For you, it, it, it's interesting to hear you say that. You enjoyed it that the shorter season so you're not probably getting as much time during the season. A lot of stuff you have to do coming in with Kerry is kind of January nearly or, or December or January. And then it's just week on week, really. Is that? Yeah, I, I found this really different this year in Kerry because, you know, in Ulster here, we have a, we have, we have a proper, really competitive Ulster Championship where you know that if you're yeah. getting a team ready for that, you're into a real battle. And, and, and this is no, this is different because, in Kerry, you have you have two matches. You have a, you, that's the, that's the first thing. You know, you have a semi final and a final and a muster championship. And not the final, you got to, if you're drawn it in the preliminary round, you have four games before you get to the. Yeah, yeah. So and and those games can be really really competitive. So I think it was it was I found it really difficult this year. The um you had Cork you had Cork in the semi final and then you had Limerick, and then you're sitting in the quarter final. Like that doesn't up here. That doesn't happen. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it really is. It's, 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 it, you, you nearly have to experience. The championship up here compared to the Munster to see the difference in it. So with only having two matches, and, and in fairness, you sort of knew right if we we beat Cork in the semi final and then you have Limerick and you're going to get them, you're going to get to the quarter final. It's a completely different process. So you do what what you tend to do is you need three and you're whole way through that. So you're pre, you're nearly yeah. doing another mini pre season during the Munster championship and you rattle at a good bit of hard work because you know that there will be a time when you're ten days out from the start of the quarter finals that you're now you're starting to taper down towards. The remainder of the season, so it's different up here. You can't get that up here. You don't have that up here. You have to have all the work done prior to the start of the championship. If you're not ready for that, you're not going to make it through the first round. You certainly have not won it anyway. So it's a different. Yeah. Also, things have to prepared differently. And I think that's this is why I'm really looking forward to next year. You know, for the way the new format structured, that there's equity in terms of time and within the games, everybody's in the same position, the same dates. And I think it's going to be a to me, it's going to be a game changer for all county setups that they can prepare. Knowing these are the dates you're going to be involved, and everybody's in the same in the same position. And I think, by the way, it's no advantage in carrier or to have not have games. I think it's a it's a disadvantage that you have these periods of not having competitive high end games. Yeah. So um, I think that um, getting that and this is back to James. I suppose how many times have carry been caught in, in quarter final games in the past? You know, been caught coming in that wee bit cold. You know where they haven't had a tight game, and then a team comes through the back door with a bit of a run, or can catch can catch you out in a quarter final match. So, I think that the um, 
from a coaching point of view, it's it's much, much easier when you know you're going to be going week on week. That's our at the very most two weeks in between us, it's, it's a far better system. You were you were coaching down in tent when down beat Karen, yeah. why don't you? Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember the hand pass that was given for a throw ball from um... <laughs> Look, this you lost, did you? Just get over it. Like twelve years later, you're giving out about referee decisions. Jesus Christ! Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember that one, all right. I, I remember that one, right? It was, it was controversial, all right, wasn't it? it was but listen, James, that was that was the day. Like it was a perfect storm. It was pissing rain in Crow Park. You yeah. boys have gone through the handy side. We were coming through a battle-hardened qualifier. And it, was one, it was one thing to get if you want to catch Kerry. That's that the day the, you catch care. That was some team as well with Marty Clark and oh, yeah, Coulter. Coulter. oh Marty Clark. I was obsessed with Marty Clark after that. Really? I loved him. And he and was just outrageous. I never got to get never got to put her on the socks up, but <laughs> that was one step too far. But Jeez. he was savage. Uh, isn't it that that if I look back on my coaching so far, that's the one regret we didn't pull off in Ireland that year. Like we had yeah. lost the final bit of point. The Cork after beating you boys after beating Kildare and then get picked by Cork and that would have been someone to win like because they were coming from Division 2 they were coming from absolutely nowhere out of the out of the we had been beaten by Throne and, and lost the semi-final and, and uh, but there's a say we got momentum through the through the qualifiers and was, the ironic thing about it is Ambrose Rogers who's outstanding that day against you guys in the quarterfinal Ambrose is our captain and he, they put in a round of club championship matches in between the quarterfinal and semi-final what? Oh my God! Are you serious? Yeah. Um, Don't tell me. Experience there from the county board, and we lost. And Ambrose done his cruciate in the oh, club. That, that is Oh man, listen. We we talk about it. even even like uh, Mark Dorn, who's a uh, who's from Longstone, the same club. We were actually talking about that a few weeks ago. And we we talk about it so many times. Why does that happen? Because I still believe that we had at Ambrose, who was playing some football that year. Uh, I think we'll be able to handle Cork in, in midfield because we'd no, we'd no backup middle of the field we're really struggling for for uh, at Cork. that time you had Aidan Walsh and Alan O'Connor Pierce O'Neill Brian Canty Canty they had four big men and we went we went into the final with Callum King and Pete Fitzpatrick and Pete was only a cup I think Pete was only 19 or 20 I was only a young fella and we had nothing to bring on the bench whereas Ambrose would have been our starting captain midfielder and we end up losing the game by a point. That's listen. I'm not saying we would have won it, but uh. isn't, isn't that the frustrating? We had Michael Meehan on a couple of weeks ago in a live show before the final, and Michael the same was speaking about. There's a finite amount of opportunities you get yeah. winning all art, and couldn't believe Michael Meehan, one of the, the players of his generation, never even got to play in an all Ireland final. Mm-hmm. You know that just that the. He was coming at the end of a great Galway team and before the coming of, of, of the next generation. So he said, when you get an opportunity and for down that 2010, you're right, it was kind of out of nowhere. Like having beaten Kerry, uh, our Dublin team was, we lost to Cork in the other semi-final and we were only kind of starting to get the show on the road at that point that there was an opportunity there and, and down have never got close again to get there. So when it's that one opportunity, it's like, if you don't grab it with both hands, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone so quickly. And that, like losing one of your best players to an injury, like that, to be fair, that Cork team, they were knocking on the door for a yeah. long time as well. Like that, that was their only one the day when they lost to Kerry a couple of times, obviously. And um, they never got back there themselves either. Right. But, but such a frustrating thing when an injury is so avoidable. Bloody, oh. like club games, lads, I told you, 
They should just get the whole club saying, get rid of it. Paddy, <laughs> people don't think you're joking when you say that. I'm kind of half joking, but... <laughs> Paddy, you'll be, be lynched to say that. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it, Paddy. I'm well used to it. You're lynched. <laughs> no, that, 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 you're right. And I, I look back to, you know, we, in 85, we got beaten by Dublin in the final and we never got back for another eight years. And we thought that was a whole generation of a team gone, a good team. And we beat my Meath in the semi-final in 86. And... Uh, we thought, are we ever going to win this thing? Because And then it took eight years later before we go back in 2003, before we won it. So the, the down one was one that, geez, I look back at it, I, I would have loved to have won that one because it really would have been out of nowhere to win All-Ireland, you know? And and the players, as you say, Marty ended up going back to Australia a couple of years after that. James, he stayed one more season and back to Collingwood for another contract. And and he, he can tell you what happened that time too. Marty was a prestigious young talent. We we knew, from you know, everybody up here knew this kid was unreal. And but when he decided to come back, God, I remember when I was asked to go into coach the team. Uh, first thing I said is, "Is Marty Clark's coming home in Australia?" Because <laughs> when you knew, in fairness, Ross Carr and DJ Keane had done a lot of work behind the scenes, especially Ross to bring him out and uh, bring him back for to play for down. And when they got him back, like you knew, this kid is gonna, this boy's gonna light this place up because nobody was anything about him. The last thing they probably saw him was maybe playing college football and. And maybe a bit of minor. The minor Paddy didn't they? In all five, him, James Colgan, and those guys. Yeah, the one that's That's right. And then he went away, but he came back as a as a professional athlete. He was conditioned, you know, so much better too. A lot of boys come back, Paddy, and the football mightn't be there necessarily. Marty Clark was the most stylish footballer in the game at that time. (laughs) He is. I tell you what, he had had the ability. Is the fastest I ever seen him getting a ball in his hand and gone again off the foot. I love the outside the left as well. Oh Jesus! And he and he he'd like he he'd see a pass before anybody else, and he could execute the pass before even people knew what he was going to be doing with the ball. He, he had that ability, yeah. and he's very accurate. And the fact is that nobody had seen him playing because we. But in the following year, every new right stick this keep this boy on his, on his right foot, and you know yeah, yeah, yeah. people people adapted to him the following year. But that but that that first season he was just immense, and he had a oh, he had such an influence on that team, like and. Uh, he was just a down leader at the time. Paddy, what's your record on, on that now as a coach? And you're, these guys are coming back and you see it. Like Killian McDade was an obvious example for Galway this year. That We had it with Kieran Kilkenny when he came back. Conor McKenna, obviously, in Tyrone last year had a massive impact. When these, these guys come back from Australia, like senior inter-county football is tough training. Like, mm-hmm. And over the last, it seems to get more intense and guys are getting fitter and stronger year on year on year and we've been in it it's bloody savage stuff yet these guys come back from Australia and they, they all seem to still be a cut above I know they're professional but you're going how are they how are they so much fitter and their endurance levels are, are, are even higher than a GA player who played seven or eight years of senior in their county where you're you're not far off professional to be brutally honest and I looked at McDade's performance for, for Galway against Armagh, for example, in extra time. He is still sprinted up and down the middle of the pitch. What do you see is the difference there? How, how is there still such a gap, or it looks like there's such a gap between our fittest and our most, our best athletes in GAA than when the guys come back from Australian rules and they still seem to be a little bit ahead? Yeah, I think well, generally it's a full-time job when you're there so if you're there for two or three years say even a couple of years and you're part of your training that, that's what all you do really you train yeah. you rest you recover it feels like that in GAA as well sometimes yeah. to be fair yeah but the, I, I think the big thing is is, is 
is they have time to recover and train harder the next team because like say for example we train a hard session on Tuesday night the boys have to go to work on the Wednesday oh. they try and get a bit of recovery and surely they have to work they have to manage their lives around it and then they're back in the Thursday these guys will train on a Tuesday they'll come in the Wednesday they'll train hard on Tuesday they come in the Wednesday they do a recovery session they'll eat they'll do a bit of coaching they'll do a bit of kicking about they'll, they'll maybe do something else on the bike and then they'll go on the Thursday they'll do another session so and everything's done purely to, to get that athlete uh, to the peak of, of conditioning. I said, nothing has to be at. I remember when Marty came back, and, and it was really good because at that time I was doing all the, the all the conditioning work too, down the, the fitness work and the, and the gym work and putting the, putting Evan in place. And I remember speaking to Marty, just picking his brain about some of the things they were doing. They they have a, like, obviously they're one of the things that they they done a time run. It was a two k time run, and yeah, and the best time I think he said for him that time was six minutes for two k. You know, <laughs> and a bike was he? <laughs> on, a, on a run. So I remember, I remember saying to myself, "This is the benchmark for where we need to be." Now, in fairness, I think that up until uh, up until maybe I think we did a really, really ball breaking session, maybe the fortnight out from the from the Ireland final, and I think our boys were all coming in maybe six ten, six fifteen. You know that now I had a fella done some the boy Seamus McGowan, a friend of mine who is a middle distance runner, and he did a good bit of, of really hard run with these lads. He's he got a he got a coach there, trained the cross Midland team to that Iron Clubs right. back in the day. And Seamus is a fantastic guy when it comes to picking a team for and running. And uh, we were coming in the sort of not that far off. Some of the boys actually were right up alongside Marty in, in the runs. So you know there was there was that fact he was coming back and he, he told me at times like the. You nearly get bored out there because once you trained, you didn't know what to be at after because you had nothing to do. You know, it's, it's yeah. different. The other thing too, the other thing was great. We introduced at that time as well was was creating kidneys, readings on players. You know, blood taking the CK levels out of their bloods. You know, to see where the muscle damage is done post games, okay. and that allowed and that allowed me then to to back off training and give boys recovery, which probably yeah. it was based in science rather than just on on just me to say the boy needs a break. You know, yeah. and that was a, that to me was a very important. Uh, tool in, in, in the box now it's not easy it's not easy getting that done all the time but yeah. again it came from Marty's telling me in Collingwood they would maybe come in on, on a Monday after a, a game and uh, if the, the CK levels were too high they were just told right 10 minutes in the bike and get a massage and go home you know so big into the recovery and I think that's that's a fairness I think if, if I could get on board with those sessions yeah, I, I think might, I might come back will I just <laughs> after boots the, pro- the problem James is you'd have to show the CK levels before you get off <laughs> you'd figure out find a way around that Betty do you know the way you said you did you did the strength and conditioning right <clears throat> and then when you came down to Kerry there was an idea that you were a defensive coach kind of only are you kind of pigeonholed into that, that? Just keep that going out there. <laughs> yeah. Why? Like, why was that? Or because obviously talking to the boys, you were obviously way more than just a defensive coach. But why did people just kind of latch on to the defensive side of it? I've no idea, James. I've no idea. And to be honest, with you, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've got. I, I, I've. You need to probably ask the people that that say that because um, it's not something that I even. Obviously, you have to coach. You coach that all elements of the game. You, you you have to get a defensive structure in place in, in any team to be to be successful. But you know it's it's only one aspect of what what you do. Yeah. But um, I, I I never really I never really thought much about that. I, I know it's been it's been muted, but um, I, I have no idea why. Yeah, it's could I ask just touching on the introduction to Kerry and coming down because. I absolutely 100% agree with what you said initially at the start of this conversation around that Kerry Gaelic football is unique. 
you know, there is a there's a history and a tradition there. Where Dubs, even we look at it, and it is there's not many. There's, I don't think there's any county in Ireland where Gaelic football is treated like it is down there. And for you to come in, um, like I say, for, from a northern county, or, or just any as an outsider going into the Kerry senior football team, there's a pressure there, and I, I agree that it, it can be nearly. It's, it is a privilege to kind of go in and be asked to do that. How? What was the initial couple of weeks or first month or so in the setup where you're coming in? You nearly, and, and as players, we had guys come into our Dublin setup and players are judging the coaches. There's no two ways about it. It's like, who's this guy coming in? What's he bringing to the table? And players can be as humble and we're all nice guys, but we're ruthless as well. Mm-hmm. Coaches have to hit the ground running. What What was that? How receptive were they? Were it the, the players to any new methods you're coming in, or was there anything totally off the wall you're bringing in, and the guys are going, "Geez, we, we haven't seen this before." What was that initial setting in period like for you in the setup? Um, in fairness, I, I never thought too much about. It. Listen, boys, I was asked to do a job. I see it as a job you had to do. I don't look at you know. I know it, it's a very serious job. Obviously, if you're asked to come and do that, and I, I don't really look at it any more than that you, you know I have a very clear idea from when I'm taking a job on but I have to get across to the players I had, I had a number of conversations with uh, with Jack prior to meeting the players for the first time and once I was able to meet with the players and rather than me coming and telling them what they need to do the first thing I had to find out is where they were, where they were on things so I, I did a session with the players where, away from the pitch where just I, I took a lot of information from them and they were that shaped the way I then I was able to approach um, how I was going to coach the team. So well, the first thing, I, the first thing I would be aware of, no matter where you work, you have to find out actually where the, the players are. Yeah. So that was an, that to me is an important thing to do. Once I was done, I had a fair idea, and that gave me an opportunity to, to talk to the players, gave me an opportunity to introduce myself and where I come from and, and what I'm about. And that and that initial conversation, I think, is a good is a good icebreaker. And you do that away from the pitch altogether. And that was done maybe, I think, a week before I took the first, or a couple of weeks before I took the first pitch session. And then by the time the first pitch session was done, I knew exactly where I was heading with it, you know? That's interesting. Was there any um, was there any Kerry player that surprised you? In terms of, like, jumped out from behind a wall or something? <laughs> <laughs> In terms of their, their personality, their ability, you know, like, you probably had an idea of, the majority of the players going down there, or maybe you'd seen. Them. Barefoot is good, isn't he? Like? Was, <laughs> was there anyone that you that you went in there and they just took you by surprise straight away? Um, uh, no, not not really surprises us, James. You know, there's probably kids I didn't probably know. You know, the only, you know some young lads I didn't actually do because the, the uh, obviously you knew Shawnee and David, and you knew Dave Moore and Paul Murphy and Paul Ganey and lads from have been about a number of years. I say they probably. Um, I say the one player really got it was Tom O'Sullivan. I, I didn't know yeah. I didn't know yeah. Tom to start at all. I didn't know him. I just I, I found, in fairness, you know, when you, you think this last number of years, you see this boy playing cornerback, just does his job quietly and efficiently and gets on with it, you know. But I didn't realize how good a footballer he was, yeah. apart from actually being able to, to silence a, a forward and just quietly take somebody out of the game. But his football ability was was seconded on as well. And such a modest young fella, you know, very quiet keeps himself to himself and, and just gets on with the work like so the, he probably is one of the players but then I wasn't then looking back why should I be surprised this is this is 
you know, Kiai never had really, you know, the, the cornerbacks were as good a footballers as the corner forwards. It always was the way, go back in the day. So, you know, it, was, it shouldn't have been surprising, but I was surprised with, with how, how good he was on the ball, you know, for, for a, a cornerback. Like um, Jason Foley, again, in, in the full back line, just, this kid was just so ready for, for, for getting better. Like he had all the raw ingredients there and just needed a, just a little bit of coaching in terms of how he thinks about marking, how he thinks about playing a full back. And he, again, so receptive to everything you're doing. Tag Morley became a real leader as the year went on, and yeah. again Tag was in and out of the squad this last few years. But I didn't realise how much an influence he would have on the rest of the players around him. And then as you go through the team, you realise these these boys have so much more. Just they're good footballers, but also good. They're good lads, and they're, and they're, and they've they've all their own part to play in terms of how they how they blend the group as well. So, um, I think obviously you mentioned David, like you know sometimes when you. We, we, when you see somebody in the flesh, it's only when you really see them playing and, and in the flesh you realise how talented they are, you know, and, and some of the stuff he's able to do in training with the ball. You, you do see it now and again in the really talented footballers. You, 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 it's just a joy to watch, you know. Paddy, I, I know that you've spoken before about whenever a team comes here, you're looking at a team, you're looking at the potential in the team. And, you know, with that Kerry team, we you don't have to look too hard to see it. They were close, very close in 19. They fell, well, they got caught cold in 20. They fell short against Tyrone in 21. When you look back on 22 and in general, it might be a bit of a surface level analysis here, but it didn't feel like that much, that much had to change or that much change. I don't want to do any disservice here, but Mm -hmm. like, is football really that simple? Like you stop the goals, (laughs) you stop the goals going in and you stop. You're you're trying to basically say Paddy did nothing here now. (laughs) No. (laughs) Is there anyone could have done it? (laughs) without, Without asking for state secrets, like, how difficult was it to get a defensive structure in place that won you the All Ireland? Um, it's always there's always work. Like um, it's it's not it's it's definitely not simple because winning All Ireland's hard. Like any any team that wins it, you know, boys yourselves, Paddy and yeah. James, how tough it is to win All Ireland. It is it's a very very hard thing, and it's a, it's a hard thing in terms of getting your your football right on the pitch. But psychologically, you got to be really buying on, you know. And if you were to say to me, what was maybe the difference? In Kerry this year, than since 18, 19, see from, from that time, maybe 19, 20, 21, whatever it may be, it was just maybe the fact that, that they, they'd be able to start grinding out results. And you just don't do that on the training field. That's a real process which you have to engage in. And it takes a it takes a whole management team to build that over a season where boys then believe that no matter what happens in this game, they'll be able to handle it. And no matter what stage of the game is, we know what we have to do and, and, and stick to the stick to our process and, and get on with it. And that to me was, was the most satisfying thing because that was a big part of what we had to do was to change maybe the perception. My, maybe my thing is to change the perception of actually how to win a game. We all want to win the game. We all want to win in All-Ireland, but sometimes you have to change it. How do you win the game and how do you win this All-Ireland? So when you, you get boys to buy into a sort of as much of a performance, psychological performance profi- process, and, and once you get that right, then the football should like, should shouldn't, look after itself if you know what I mean because you're taking a lot of the pressure off actually the result and you're focusing very much on how to get there and I think that to me was a that's that's the hard work that is the, really the hard work you know that's where you put a lot of the time into to get that right and just uh, on a sorry Paddy because that's it strikes a chord with my own experience as well but if I was looking at Kerry like you can see two goals from play in the whole season McCurry's goal and in Killarney and kind of dead rubber and then Costello's goal in the semi-final which probably isn't even really on either mm. so it's, it's it's a brilliant record but everyone's kind of looking in and I was looking and going this brilliant Kerry defensive record that they have what is actually happening here? 
And it, it wasn't a case of if Kerry lose the ball, 15 lads sprint back into their own 45 and you park the bus. It wasn't that. Obviously, Tyke Morley gets a lot of plaudits as kind of nearly protecting that centre channel and kind of giving the full back line to dig out. But, but the biggest difference I see was what you're, nearly a mental thing that guys like Dermot O'Connor, Jack Barry, Shawnee Shea, when Kerry lost the ball, there was just an awareness that we need to work hard to get this back. There, there was nearly defensive responsibility was, was in all the players' heads, which from playing against Kerry and then success we would have had against them, we felt that that was probably an area where we could get at them. And, and it reminds me, our Dublin team, Dublin winning that first All-Ireland with Pat Gilroy in, in 2011. Dublin were very much like that. We had good players, but mm-hmm. we didn't win the tight games. We kind of struggled, exactly what you were saying, to win the process of actually winning the game. We knew we had good players, yeah. but, but what, remember what Pat did for, for about six months after Kerry bet us by about 100 points in 2009 to the start of next season, he basically just said to all the forwards, you're being measured now on your tackle count. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you score five points from play. Every match you play, we're going to come in at halftime, we're going to come in at full time. And we're like, Bernard Brogan, Conal Keeney, Paddy Andrews, in the full forward line, how many contact tackles did you get in the opposition? And because it was being measured, and all of a sudden, all of our, everyone on our team, but our forwards in particular, were kind of saying, the only thing he wants us to do was work hard to get the ball back. And it was nearly such an alien thing. It seemed so basic. But we went after that and that started to change our perception of how we did things. And that started us on the journey of, of being kind of not really contenders for an all to ultimately winning in 2011. And it just struck me looking at the Kerry team this year that there wasn't, we're not going to park the bus and when we lose the ball, the supporters, the players probably wouldn't buy into that. But there was an awareness of responsibility to defend and just be harder to play against them. That is a process. That's hard to get everyone on board because you're talking to a full forward line here, Paddy. We don't like tackling. But it is, you can, I don't think you can win without it. Yeah. Like, is, is, might, is there a conversation? Yeah. Is it drills? Is it, you have it's, to it's, get that in. Listen, boys, it's an, it's an entire season's work. Well, it's seven months or eight months' work. You know, we, we, we started. Listen, in fairness, in fairness, like, you come up, geez, they only come up by a point short by a point this last few yeah. seasons like last you think this last few years like the Tyrone game last year the Cork game the year before which was a freaky result and, yeah. and then yeah. on the Covid year and then you had the Dublin game after replay in, in 19 so like there wasn't there wasn't an awful lot wrong here you know in terms of of, of Gary being very very competitive um, but as you say Paddy is maybe just changing the um, perception from a forward what, what work looks like in terms of their defensive responsibility and ensuring that every player buys into that. But I think the good thing about it was, if you look at this, the year, not only were they the best defensive team, but they were the best scoring team too across Ireland. Like, yeah. So it's not as if you're taking away from one to Peter, Rob and Peter to pay Paul. This team were actually doing it on both ends of the field, you know, which to me is very satisfying for, for, the, for the season and uh, doing it with a number of players and, and using a lot of players throughout the year as well. So I think that the... the, the um, the, the perception of just changing. I, it wouldn't work in you're right. It would not work in Kerry to turn around and say, listen, we're all going to play 15 behind the ball. Yeah, and yeah. To, not, to be honest, it's not the way I ever coached my football teams either. Unless yeah. it's a really, really limited team where you were under entire pressure. But uh, you you got to have a kicking game. you got to have an attacking game. you got to have a, 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 a system that, that allows play, boys to play too. I'm not a big... By the way, Jack, I've said this to Kerry, I, I hate the word expressing themselves. I, that to me is like... You should, do ba- you should do ballet or creative dance for that. Like, but 
it's, it's, I don't believe in that, but I do believe in the fact that you want players to play and you have to score and you have to create and it, with players. But if you have good forwards, it'll be it'll be a, it'll be wrong to to limit the way they yeah. play too. Like so, getting that balance and fairness to Jack James, you know us more than I would, but it certainly Jack is very much an advocate of kicking the ball. He loves the ball being yeah. played quick. He loves to transfer the ball quickly from defence to attack, and that exactly. Yeah, and to me that is just exactly why I love play football played. You know, I I love that type of attack in football. And the team, you generally find the teams I've coached over the years we, we like that. You know, would I be right in saying that Paddy Talley was a corner forward himself back in the day, or were you half forward? Or where did you play? I uh, mostly half forward, mostly half forward. Bit of it's of half forward, Paddy. <laughs> no, I, so in the night in the nineties and early nineties, there was no defensive system. I think we, great. I think there was nothing. Donny all changed all that. Um, yeah. I think even you look back to the 03 team, we weren't an overly defensive team in 03, but we were. We were fucking fiercely hard working, like, you know, and, and the boys just love getting rattled into the tackles. And uh, But we had a very good forward line. You know, if you look at the, the scoring forwards we had that time, the ball was played in early. We knew that on a one-on-one, these boys were, were able to hand, will, will get away from the defenders. So although we worked extremely hard off the ball, we, we played a really good brand of football too, like. Can I ask you about in- that? 2000 and, sorry, James, let you back in a second. 2000 and November 2002, there's a headline. New Toronto manager Mickey Hart yesterday, yesterday named sports science specialist Paddy Talley as his assistant. This yeah. nearly sounds like something out of the Wall Street Journal or a medical journal or something. Yeah. Was, was that, you're 29 years old, Paddy, in 2003 yeah. when you first go in there and with Mickey that winter. Like, what was that daunting? Going into that dressing room, like, mm-hmm. how long had you played with them? When was the last time you played for Toronto when you went, went in as a coach? Suppose, suppose I was there in, two, in 95, 96, around, around that time. And uh, the like Chris Lawn and Peter Canavan and Jerry Calvin were still there from that team. So Peter and I went to school together, went to St. Mary's together, we were good friends. And then I was it was in, and like, in fairness, he's like David Clifford, you don't have to coach Peter, you just get him fit and put him out yeah, in yeah, the yeah. play. So there's no real, there's no real coaching and in, in some players like but uh, 29 um, I suppose I was young at the time but I'd, I'd been working with the Samaria Sigerson team for a couple of seasons at that time I'd been coaching them I left college in, in 86 and you know college football like boys anybody wants to coach a team in college football you soon get a job like so <laughs> a couple of years after I graduated I was, I was teaching in school and I was um, and the, the fellow was looking after the ranch says would have come down to an odd session just to freshen things up and, and I did and I suppose that I was I was around those couple of seasons, so I was getting a bit of an idea of, of coaching. That, that boys are coming in of, of county panels and they're coming to college to play football. And there's some really good college players that time. And you soon see Jesus, nice coaching this level. So when Mickey asked me to come in, in in November 2002, I was actually teaching. We were teaching against St. Kieran's and Ballygally. Uh, when he asked me to come into a bit of work, now uh, it was a surprise. I couldn't believe it at the time, like, and that you're asked to go and work with a county. I had been that fun if I had been asked by a couple of counties before that. Um, what I went and work with teams, but at the time was playing club football, and and um, I, I just felt it was too much for me. Um, but an opportunity to work with your own team, plus knowing these are this is a serious outfit coming through. That one, as I said, that one two all Ireland the twenty ones, that one two all Ireland minors, and you knew these players were really really good. Um, so as a dream opportunity for me at that age, the the the, the onus was then I had to be on top of my game too because I knew the demands like I knew Peter. As a friend and as a player, but I knew the levels of what he would be expecting in there because he was a completely ruthless competitor as a player. And and um, I knew if I'm not up to my game here, I, he'll destroy me 
<laughs> I know, and that would be that. It was destroyed in the change room before a game. If you weren't up to your game, you'd ripped you apart at half time. So I had to be on my game at, at uh, on the pitch on the training field. But again, the players were very receptive. We changed things around a lot. I probably brought a new way of thinking to training, and we weren't like we weren't sick in the corner, man. Like you know, that was never ended. Like you know, it wasn't approved. We get the boys sick, and then they're training hard. It was very much done through the football. I remember at that time. I think the most out of a sprint of a player would have been 60, 70 metres, like without changing direction, because functionally it's not, what's the point here? And this year, and this year, playing replicate gameplay all the time. So, and then the sports science background, I just finished off a master's in sports science around, but I think it was around that time as well. And, and my um, my thesis was on cryotherapy and on looking at ice baths and recovery protocols for high intensity exercise. It was great. Are any use, Paddy? Break the myths. Should, should lads be doing ice baths or not? Purely placebo, but if it works, Paddy, you go for it. Jeez, <laughs> it... Paddy, I'm coming back playing. You don't have to run long and you don't have to do ice baths. This is brilliant. Jeez, I read, I read, you know, Kieran. Yeah, yeah, would you believe it actually? The ice baths are brilliant. I, I'm a big believer in them. And we, I we, like I, them, as I have to say. I, 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 introduced, I introduced them. And it, was, it was really interesting because I was trying to find out where I'm going to study this species and I had no idea because I was doing physiology for my module. And, and uh, I was watching, reading the paper one day and they showed a picture of their England rugby team that were getting ready for the 2000 yeah. World Cup. And there's a photograph of these England boys standing wheelie bins, you know, and the, 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 the caption was, I think it's in the Guardian said, uh, what are the England rugby boys doing standing wheelie bins? And I read reading the article, a guy had them doing ice baths. They were, they, yeah. bought, they were standing submerged in ice. I thought, geez, that's interesting there. And uh, starting to read into it. Now, the came to time, the, the, evidence didn't, the evidence didn't actually say this is definitely going to work. But I thought, well, if these boys, if, if I started reading into it, so there's definitely a there's a there's a perception about it, isn't it? There's, there's a perception, but it's actually the boys that the interviews with some of the players, maybe being Graham Roundtree and a couple of players at that time said, "This is brilliant. We feel really good after." So <laughs> I remember the first. Oh, geez, I remember the first night lads brought into the throne training. As it was, <laughs> like everyone remembers their first ice back, buddy. But it was unreal because I couldn't get wheelie bins or couldn't even hands them. So I went to the to this like. <laughs> B and Q home base type place, and I bought these like big plastic bins, right? And I, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Moyne was sort of the kit man. I said, Mickey, I want you to go and give me a big thing of ice. He was what for? And I said, just give me a big cup of ice. And I explained to him that Mickey was very amenable to whatever has to be done, Paddy. When the boys come in after the training session, there's these five big buckets things sitting there. And I said, right, lads, shot. The protocol is you have two minutes in the hot shower, thirty seconds in the ice bath, two minutes in the hot shower, and you you do a, like a contrast bath type of thing, you know. Ah, oh, geez, you want to hear the roaring and the shouting in the change room. <laughs> it is, it is the best of crack. But even after the boys come out to have their their food and they say, oh, "I feel great. The legs are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my legs are throbbing here. I feel brilliant and lovely and warm." So here we did the rest of the season. Uh, they broke all the ice baths by the season was out. Like, and but it was great. It was great crack. But you know what it is the, the study I did on it after subsequently I did that that thesis on it and. Uh, there, there was a slight improvement in the in the yeah. blood in the blood lactate. We did, we did, we did some uh, testing on, on high intensity sprints and, and multiple sp- and, and vertical jump scores on high intensity exercise, and we found there was some improvement in performance. Not not yeah. much, not not significant, but if it's psychological, if it ha- if it psychologically helps the players, you know, yeah. and they felt good after, and sometimes that's all it takes, you know. Paddy, it's twenty years in November since you walked in as a coach into the county dressing room. Have dressing rooms changed much in that time? You've been involved throughout with Down. I think Ross Carr brought you in first in 08. You were in Down for mm-hmm. four years. Derry with Brian McIver for three years. 
you obviously coached Mary's Strat Sigerson title in 17. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had time to get to you're with Galway in 18 with Kevin Welsh when you get to that Ireland semi final. Then you're an inter-county manager for three years with Down yeah. and a coach with Kerry. Have have the personalities, have the, the characters changed? Yeah, I know mobile phones have become a big thing, but if it's ranting yeah. that sticks out there for you. Say Tan. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, no, no. Gary no. lads in the fake tile. I knew that. No, Jimmy, no. you look with a nice sheen off you there. It's all beds only. Beds only. It's all natural. <laughs> um, no, listen, it's uh, it. I've, I've said it so many times that footballers are the same no matter where you go, and I really mean that. I, I think any player that that that, that any county footballer is really serious about his trade, they're really the same no matter where you go. You go. They change them dynamics nearly all the same. You know, they're they're they are highly driven they're they're big into what they do they take it very very seriously so you get that you get that all no matter what it is you have your characters you have the boys that are vocal you have the quiet lads in the corner you have the serious guys you have the ones that are the, the clowns you, you have all of that and everybody has them every team has them um the key is that i think in order to win anything you need to be very tight as a group you know there has to be a very close and i think you have to give great credit to tony griffin the, the work Tony did with, with Kerry this year was phenomenal. Great fella, yeah. Uh geez, with great time for Tony. Yeah, he's I know he did a bit of work with Dublin in the past as yeah. well. And he's just a super guy, like even a, a, off the field and every other way. And he inspiration, he, isn't he? Like he is things. Yeah, he, he is, is he's, he's he's great crack as well. Like you know, yeah, and, and, and the boys good. the boys really enjoyed the time with Tony. And I think that I think the, the, the dynamic among the management team is really good. Like Jack's Jack's unique in terms of management like he's, he's different to how a lot of managers are he is an incredible grab for football and knowledge and understand exactly what this is about now that's obviously so much experience but if you, you put jack in and he he just he knew what he needed in around him he needed a coach he needed a he needed tony he needed good selectors around him with mike and, and jim he, he, he knew what what was required to get these guys over the line um so I think that I think that the the dynamic was really really strong, and I think it brought the best out of the change room. I think that's really important. You know, we mentioned that there, Tommy, like uh, about the change room. I am a massive believer in the in the nearly the the it's a, it's a sanctuary. You know, whatever happens in there is crucial. I I love it. I love the change room. I think that in in game time or in training, I think that's a really special place to be. And if you're a young player, get onto a county squad. Being in that room with all the best you have in that county, like you feel, I am one of the 35 or I'm one of this the squad and that that gives you great confidence to start with and all you need is a few leaders that are going to bring you in and make you feel important and make you feel you're valued in there and I think that's fairness there was no hierarchy in the carry change and there is none there is absolutely no egos in there they they they, they respect each other fully and 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 I always think that successful teams are like that you know you don't have that you don't have that um Please. feeling above above anybody else you can't be successful with, without that, Paddy, isn't it? Like yeah. you, everyone has to be same direction. You, you'll have superstar players and stuff. Absolutely, that's just the nature of it. But we've all played in teams that have been successful and unsuccessful. And you're right, the the atmosphere and the the energy around the group is is massive. It's hard to it's hard to put a number on it or put a value yeah. on it, but you know when it's there and you know when it's not. And any team that's been successful has that that camaraderie and that, that atmosphere in the group. I just have, have a question for Paddy. In it, the role intercounty backroom teams are kind of more and more in the spotlight. And we see Dublin it kind of started with Dublin. We had twenty people there. And I was going, Jesus, who were all these guys? What are they all doing? 
we've seen the Kerry team, uh, backroom team over the last couple of weeks as well. And there's more emphasis and there's more people asking about the, the role of coaches and selectors. And we've seen it yourself getting a lot of kind of people asking about Paddy Talley and what's he doing, what's he bringing to the team. Keane O'Neill and Galway, very similar. We had a Declan Darcy, Jason Sherlock. These, what are these guys actually doing there? And for me, listening to you and my, my thoughts on here and reading through what you've done, the role of a manager is very different to the role of a coach. Like you're saying with Jack, Jim Gavin was saying, it's, you're probably not on the pitch. You're, you're the figurehead overseeing this 15 or 20 person backroom team. You're dealing with the county board, the media, and then you're dealing with 35 players, bringing lads in or dropping them or whatever. Whereas the role of a coach is you're on the pitch. You're in with the lads. You're every single minute on the pitch, kicking ball. You've managed down as a manager for a couple of years. You've managed Mary's to win a Sigerson, but the majority of your stuff has been coaching and being on the pitch. What do you prefer doing? And do you see yourself maybe down the line going back into a man- head manager role and maybe taking a step back from the pitch? Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different role. Not a completely yeah. different role. Like you, When you're managing, you're also coaching as well. Even when I was managing down, um, I was doing a lot of the coaching as well. And the coaching Wait, to me... Okay. Coaching is the key to me. Is is the, is the key? You know, I, I um, I feel as if you can't just be a manager without coaching. If you know what I mean, you have to be okay. And, and Some people can though. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you can do that. I think you have to have your imprint on the team. You know, and you have to have an imprint on the way you want the team to play. If you're if you have a philosophy or a, a way when you set your team up, like you got to put your hands all over that. Um, even even when I was managing and down, I had good co- had coaches with me, but there was. They would, they would coach certain aspects but it would come to the, actually the team player the way the team set up or certain aspects that, that was my remit that was I took a full responsibility for that um, in, in the Kerry setup it, it's great because the management is completely looked after by Jack and it gives me 100% focus to work on what we're doing on the field and 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 setting up uh, whatever has to be done in terms of the, uh, the, the the process if you want to call it you know the coaching process and the, and the, the way we play the game um, so that it's it's a fantastic role to have without any of the rest of they listen fifty more enjoyable, Paddy. I I uh, look it, I sense and I get you probably enjoy it more as well. Yeah, hands on the culture piece. Yeah, uh, but I think it was with management. You spend fifty percent of your time doing stuff that's nothing to do with football at all. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and that's a lot of time. Like you know, because you're dealing with all sorts of other issues and. And down we were fighting fire nearly all the time because there was something coming down the line. You didn't you didn't really know maybe from week to week what was coming around the corner because you were but there was so much going on in that county and, and it was it was fantastic in one way, a great learning experience, but also when you look back and go, God, you know, come out of it alive was was as good as I could probably get a, get out of it, like you know. So yeah, it was yeah. really, really testing. Whereas in this job with Kerry, you have a very clear role, you're within there, you're the coach, you have a job to do. And in fairness, Jack, give me uh a really, you know, a, a sort of an early carte blanche to get on with it, and it was great. And I was able to, no matter what I was doing, run past me, Jack. This I'm going to introduce this week. This going to bring over the next month. This is going to be working at. This is going to do. And Jack said, "Yep, let's, let's go with that." I suppose it was a relief for him too that he could offload a lot of stuff yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know in the past Jack would would have done a lot of the on field coaching himself. So I think it was good for him at the stage to be able to say to someone, you know, I trust you to get on with the work, like, yeah. So I have one question on, on this year, Petty, right? Obviously, it was my first year looking on as a fan, right? And supporter. 
So you have very different emotions. You've obviously no control <laughs> up in the stand, right? So he was it's, wearing it's a full kit in the press box. <laughs> it was like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was very strange watching a game from so far away, right? When you're so invested in the lads and everything. So even as a coach, kind of your work is done. Say the Thursday before the game, in a, in a lot of senses, and then in the games, Dublin were hounding Kerry down when Costello got the goal. Yeah. We were kind of under pressure there. At halftime in the Galway game, we were kind of under pressure. You didn't know how it was going to go. Did you feel worried at any stage in those games or was it complete calmness all through? Because there were times where there was almost, it, not that it could go either way, but it's really in the melting pot now. Yeah, not really. To be honest, James, both the Dublin game and the Galway game, I was probably more relaxed than I was in, in other games this season. I think at that stage, you knew this Kerry team were ready. There wasn't much more we could have done. And I think you have to then have confidence that the work's been done and and now they've got to go out and perform. Now, there was that, like, let's say, the, the, the Kerry, the, the Dublin match, I think we were six up in a really, really good position and they were caught for a were caught for a goal that just turned the game and then they got a point straight after and all of a sudden the game went from six points to two points within a minute. But you're saying, right, this, this is not, this is only one goal. We, we don't concede too many goals, so I don't think we're going to concede another one. It's a matter of just re-establishing themselves, keeping their feet, keeping the feet level and absorb this, this pressure. The other thing you knew that Dublin were going to come strong, the same as Galway. Galway you know, the, the third quarter was is infamous in, in, in Dublin that you knew that the third quarter was going to be the time. Galway the same. If you look at Galway's performance over the season, I think they're plus 4.5 across the season in the third yeah. quarter. You know, so yeah, yeah. you knew that was going to be a big time. If you look at the back that Dublin, that Dublin teams, you knew the third quarter was going to, they were going to come strong. So if you could absorb the third quarter and you could get out of it, you knew this. You're going to be, the thing will tip tape off a bit. I think in the, I think in fairness, I think in, in the in the Dublin game, um, there was incredible composure shown by the Kerry players in the face of that Dublin pressure. Uh, we we the last three kickoffs we off short Shane Ryan, if I'm Brian Bigley, two and tag for one, you know, and off those three kickouts we got two points, you know, so. The the um the composure that was a, that was probably one of the changes. Is, isn't that the big thing? And and people used to laugh at us because they, they thought we were just kind of taking the mick. Sticking to the process mm-hmm. is massive. At, uh, at that stage of the championship, it is there's so little between the top teams. And you're right, winning an All Ireland is fucking hard work. You mm-hmm. are not going to cruise to one. You are going to be tested, pushed to a pin in your collar because that's look it's the pinnacle of the game. You need to expect that and being able to deal with that. And being able to understand that we're going to be under pressure, this team, whoever it is, a Mayo, a Galway, a Dublin, a Kerry, are going to get a purple patch. We need to just stick with our game plan. We need to manage this. We need to have leaders on the pitch. We need to have leaders on the sideline that when the pressure comes on, we know what needs to happen. And that's, you're right, that does not happen overnight. That's experience for the players that that maybe they haven't done it before and they, they, they learn from that. But it's also the coaches and the environment preparing guys, the mental side of things. When you're, the pressure is on, this is what we have to do. Like kickouts with Shane Ryan, we had it with Stephen, or like opposition kickouts, or just moments in the game where you need to stick with the process. And again, I'm looking at Kerry this season, in those tight moments, those big, big plays, they managed this, they managed those situations best and better than anyone else. Paddy Clifford was brilliant in the second half of both the semi-final and final when Kerry are under the cosh. Your 
10 minutes down the stretch when Galway get it back to 16 all and you're thinking mm-hmm. have Galway one more thing in the tail Kerry Duncan you won the, the last 10 minutes of that game 4-0 that's sticking to the process and he just got the sense that that was a, a mentality that Kerry had for the entire season That's that, that seemed different to previous years yeah, I think I think that's maybe the belief and, and the confidence that was built into those guys over the course of the season. You know, you know, confidence comes from knowledge and understanding. That's the college. It's, you can't you can't have confidence with either knowing those two, but they knew and understood how to win games throughout the season. You go back to go back to the, to the Mayo game in the league. Jack referenced it after the final, and I I, I always remember that night. It's, it's an incredible night. And it's sitting in Tralee. A great game of football as well. Yeah, proper brilliant, game. brilliant game. And and they had to carve out a result because the game was level Um, had to work a short free. And, and, and exactly all the guys come off the bench end up yeah. getting the winning score, you know. So it was, it was sort of set a tempo there in the season where you know you have to, you, know, you can get your grand out of result when it's tight here. And I think throughout the year, um, there was lots of instances of that in games where there's pressure coming on, and you don't. You, it's really important to highlight that to the players as the year goes on. That you know, when you do see it happening, you have to say to them, you know, this is an example of where you, yeah. you did this. So you, you might it might happen. It could happen in a McGrath Cup match in the early season, but we keep reinforcing that. And as the year and the year went on, we kept looking for those opportunities to say to the players, "Listen, you've been here, and when the when the when the time comes in a really really tight match." You can just you can carve out those those players, and that comes down to maybe that um, that builds mental strength. And when you win when I win in All Ireland, you got to have that mental toughness built into it. So otherwise, you're not gonna you're gonna come up short. Yeah, yeah, you could see that. You could see that. Paddy Tally, you've been I have one more question, Tommy. I keep going. I keep going for an hour here. You're the one. Paddy, go go questions this as well, is, Paddy, isn't about this is off script, all right? But say if you had to take. One forward from your Tyrone 2003 team, right? You got your Doher, your Mulligan, Stephen O'Neill. There was a guy called Peter Cannon on that team. And you had to put one of them, not Canavan. You put one of them into put one of them into the Kerry forward line at the moment. Who would you take? Uh, Stevie O'Neill. Stevie, yeah. Imagine a full foot Clifford and Stephen O'Neill. Jesus Christ. I was obsessed with Stephen O'Neill and Mulligan as well. Talk to us about Stevie, Paddy, for a minute. Uh, Stevie was just something else. Like, you know, you don't. Sick joke. You just realize how good this lad was. Like, I remember he came to the, he he played for the ranch back, and this is my first time. He he won, he's so modest. Like, if you know Stevie at all, he's the most modest uh, kid you'll ever meet. Like, and uh, he came. He came to St Mary's to play college football. And I was watching this kid playing. Jeez, I never seen anyone like him. Like he was, yeah. he was incredible. Like you know, and he, he scored ten points in a match and walk off the field. Just like you know, what, what's the what's the deal here? And he wouldn't be in his. And it, this is the most modest guy you meet. But that season, like, like remember, Stephen didn't start the All Ireland final. Like he only come on. He only come on the All Ireland final in 03. And he just knew that there will be a time when he's going to come on here and win the game. He scored two two of the last few points and and won, he scored the last point one nil Ireland and wasn't though it wasn't as if he wasn't good enough he was the best forward bar Peter but he just also knew that we needed a game changer yeah. and fair play to him to stay up and then in the subsequent years after that he just proved what's an incredible player. Well, I marked him once, Paddy. What were you doing back there? Uh, that's what back I got right. as well. That's that what back I right. And I swear to God, we played him in Croker the opening night of the league. Oh, nine, it would have been. Somehow it was cornerback. I remember. I remember. <laughs> Do you remember the point that he got the ball on the end line? Like on the end line in the canal end. 
And I'm there thinking, one, I'm shitting myself because I know I shouldn't be back there. So I'm just going, he can't do anything from there. Kind of let him shoot on his left, on his wrong side. like, And he he just kicked, he literally kicks the ball over the bar from the end line. Aye. On the wrong side. <laughs> you kind of, I was looking at him. There was a gasp of the crowd. He kind of trots back out. And Mulligan laughs to me. I'm jogging back out going, what the fuck have I got myself in for here? And Muggsy comes across, he goes, he's something else, isn't he? And I was like, oh, you fucking know. Uh, and that was it. I, I remember just being in the presence of something that was not normal. No, that's right. Not, and we say with, with Clifford, when we're reviewing David Clifford's games, you know, there's, there's players that come along and there's just, we know how hard it is at the highest level to try and kick scores, but there's guys that just do things that are not normal. And Stephen O'Neill was, he was one of them. Yeah. First-hand experience. He's he, 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 he just one of those players you'd love to have in your team. And actually, I remember when, when he was coming through, I remember Seth and Peter talking about the Canavan and he was saying he never saw anything like him. He, yeah. he actually said to me, I've never seen anything like Stevie O'Neill. And he's right. He was, boys, you, on this guy was phenomenal. Like, you know, left, right. Like that, those few years, like I, that, what point did you mention, Paddy? I remember us sitting, everybody watching that game going, Jesus, Paddy Andrews shouldn't be back there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Paddy. I 100% agree. Thank God I got out of there sooner with, rather than later. With all that experience, Paddy, in the game and the coaches you've worked with and, and playing with Canavan, can you put into context where David Clifford is at, even in training or being around him or, you know, some of the scores that he nailed in the All-Ireland final, like the shooting between himself and Shane Walsh that day was, was off the charts? Yeah, the two boys had God, it was great. And Shane, lucky, I worked with him for a year in 18, like, and realized how good this lad was. Like, Shane was a phenomenal player, really, really talented lad. David, the same. And um, I think it's David, he's only 23. Yeah. You know, I think his best, football, his best football still to come. And all the well, he stays injury free and he looks after himself and, and things work out for him. Um, for Kerry, I suppose the big thing is, is to make sure that other players are taking the pressure off David because, you know, you know, there will be days when David is, is double-marked and kept quiet and has some responsibility for other players to, to step up. But as an individual like he is, he's quite unique because he's, he's also very powerful and strong. He's now brought a bit of an aerial game to his, into it too. Like this year, the two marks he took in the final were, were great and he's starting to, to attack the ball in the air, which maybe hadn't done in the past. So um, he still has work to do, you know. It's, it's, it's great that he has still so much more to improve on, um, and um, I think the, the best of David Clifford is still still to become. Jesus Christ! Can I ask I you? Say that. Can I ask James a question? Go for it, yeah. yeah. James, is that, is that your trophy cabinet beside you? <laughs> <laughs> he always just tries to have no, it. It's actually show parties. And he got yeah. my, my mother's nice china. <laughs> Don't who put it the other way. The water for no, crystal no, no, collection. No, no. Put it the other way. I know it's over the other side. You There's nothing over the other side. side. Huh? <laughs> Paddy, hey. happily would have kept you another hour. And it strikes me now that I should have actually just got Paddy Talley's favourite 15 that he's coached over the years. But oh, that was that'll fantastic. Be, that'll be a good crack. That'll be a good crack. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do that again. Thanks so much for joining us on the football pod. It was brilliant to have you on. Yeah. And uh, well, well done on the year just gone by. James O'Donoghue, Paddy Andrews, thank you both very much again. Have a good you day tell me. work. Yeah, and uh, awesome. we'll catch up next week on the football pod. Paddy Tally. Hey, Thank you. Thanks a million. Congratulations, Paddy. Thanks, Paddy. Well done.